Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Folks, if you'd like a copy of my best-selling first book, Tales of a First-Round Nothing, head on over to ecwpress.com. If you'd like a copy of my second book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to www.flankerpress.com. If you'd like either copy personalized, just add a note. Thanks for listening to my podcast, and happy reading. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. My next guest burst onto the hockey scene in the WHL in the late 1980s with the Medicine Hat Tigers. He had an ultra-successful junior hockey career, which culminated with his being drafted to the Boston Bruins, 126th overall, the 1990 NHL entry draft, and then winning the coveted Memorial Cup in 91 as a member of the Spokane Chiefs. He'd go on to play pro hockey all over the planet for the better part of two decades, and his six-year pro roller hockey career was decorated with national and international championships and sees him as one of the best to ever play the game. We were line mates on the Bentley Generals and Cornerbrook Royals, and he's one of my closest pals in the hockey world. He is a serious scorer, a proud player, a terrific teammate, a San Diego sniper, a charming champion, amazing Albertan. He's a real cool cat and played in the hat. He's not a thief and one with the Chiefs. Want to know more? This cat could score. He's not scared of bees and was a star overseas. As a friend, he's loyal and he sniped for the Royals. We were the best as teammates out West. Folks, there's no rhyme for his name, so I'll change the order and arc. Please welcome to the show, it's Wolf, Merck. How the hell are you doing, Wolfie? Good, good, good to hear yourself. I'm all right. You're in BC and I'm in Newfoundland. And... Uh, I've had a fantastic fall and a good summer. It was good to see you this summer, by the way. Let's plug that before it starts, because I'll forget. We met each other this summer. Not met each other. We were this summer at with Jerry St. Sears. What was the name of the cause again? We were in Victoria. Uh, sport Assist. 
support assist. So we raised, Jerry, I, I, I don't know, I guess they do events, but this particular event raised money for a lot of kids that didn't have the uh, money to pay for equipment for sports. Am I right? That's right. Yep. That was a great time. It was good to see you. When was the time before that I would have seen you? Oof. Jeez, I mean, it's been a while. I mean, we've both been real busy in life, that's for sure. But uh, I think it was maybe when we played in Quarterbrook. I think it was at the uh, at the Maxi Pad or Maxwell House. Yeah, <laughs> that was a place. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a guy on our team. For those that don't know, Roger Maxwell, and he had a place, and we'd call it the Maxi Pad or Maxwell House. But listen, um, yeah, I guess so. For those that don't know, um, I talk about you on here once in a while. We met while playing in the West Coast Hockey League in the early 2000s. We had a real good mutual friend, Darren Colburn, who had a lot of success playing with Mark. We were all line mates at some point. And uh, then played Roller Hockey Team Canada together and then a, f a couple of years of senior hockey. So since those senior hockey years, and I'll get into that in a minute, we'll, we'll go right back to Medicine Hat because I'm fascinated by your career. But you've been doing what? Uh, so... When I got out of hockey, obviously, I got back into the oil patch. Uh, I come from a long line of drillers. Uh, my grandfather, after World War II, uh, he opened up Trinidad, Portugal, and Venezuela for Imperial Oil back in the day when my when my father was younger. Uh, so drilling in the jungle, uh, and then I got into the patch. I drilled uh, for a long time, and then I was a consultant with CNRL, and then moved over to the pipeline side. Uh, it's called horizontal directional drilling, and over here, I'm an inspector over here right now. Uh, over overseeing um, the work site and, and just kind of making sure things go smooth and and to cost efficiency as as my bosses wanted. So you were always a bit of a tool, a handyman too. Is that you get that from your dad? And I know from experience living with you, but it seems to me you always found your way around a workbench. Am I wrong? No, no. I you know I definitely got it from my father. He was great with uh, you know working with his hands, and, and you know he's an ex-military man himself as well. And then in his spare time, just tinkered, and that's there's no special training for it. Just get out there and learn. And you know we've along the way we've you know when times were slow and the patch was slow, uh, we reverted back to we used to build 24 by 28 garages from the ground up and big ass you know big big huge decks for people and. Um, we just did it for, you know, a normal price. We weren't ripping anybody off. It was just to keep the, the lights on and so we didn't spend our oil and gas money back then. So, uh, yeah, we I've always enjoyed it. Uh, I, I always think that why can't I do it myself? If I'm hiring somebody else to do it, I, you know, in this day and age, you can go on University of YouTube and, and, and really learn anything, you know. Yeah, you're so, right. Yeah. You know, so uh, back then, YouTube wasn't really around so much. It kind of was. But, uh, you know, all the teachings on there we're, we're just kind of in that, in the, in that start process. So yeah, it was, a. it's, it's always been an enjoyable uh, avenue for us to, to, to build our own things. You, when I lived with you in Calgary and we will get into this, give, give it the context of people, but the context doesn't matter in this sense. So you, you got me, you got me a tool belt. Can you remember that? And we would work on your deck. I didn't know what I was doing. I never had a hammer in my hand in my life. No clue, but you got me the tool belt and I'm like, I used it, but I'm like, I'll never use this again, but I brought it home. So like, as you know, I'm in the film world now, but my first four or five years, I was locations and then I was a set dresser. I'm in the union as a set dresser. So not that I read to build anything like you, but I worked closely with the carpenters and, you know, I don't know, uh, like anything, putting pictures on the walls or, you know, minor things that I needed, uh, 
you know, at the very least a power drill for, you know, so I did, again, I'm not good with tools, but the belt came in handy and I had to use it often and now it's worn out. It's wild. So your, your gift took about three or four years for me to ever actually use it. But once I did, it came in handy. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun building that deck. Yeah. That was a, a good time in my life uh, and, and we will. So I want to go back though, back because you're, you're born in Manitoba. I keep forgetting that, right? You're, you're, I, I say amazing Albertan, and you started in Medicine Hat. What point did you move there to uh, Dad was, Yeah, Dad was stationed in they, – they came from Germany. My brother was born in Germany on a military base over there, and then I was born in Brandon, Manitoba. My dad was stationed in Shiloh, Manitoba at that point. Okay. And then uh, it was 1977. I think I was seven years old, almost seven, um, when we moved out west, and we were – my dad's originally from Alberta. He's from the Blairmore Crowsnest Pass area. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all the wolves are out, out from that neck of the woods. And so, yeah, we moved to CFP Suffield and then lived in Ralston. And then we moved into Red Cliff just outside Medicine Hat. And then obviously into Medicine Hat in 91, my folks moved. So, so you, so your first year in the dub, I see five games played. Were you an underage then? Because you then played another yeah, four the, after. The, Was that your 16 year old year? That was a fifteen-year-old year, yeah. Fifteen, okay, yeah, this so, is big. Yeah, so me and me and Trevor Linden played uh, Bantam together. Um, we we went to a lot of major tournaments that year, and I don't I don't recall us even losing a game that year. Uh, so we were both fifteen-year-olds, and back then there wasn't a, a, a draft. It was just you know Let's when you turned when you turned fifteen, whoever got the facts quickest into the you know the WHL office seemed to got your rights, and Medicine Hat seemed to get. Both yeah, both me and Trevor, right? So uh, we came up as 15-year-olds right from Bantam, and uh, you could only keep one 15-year-old. And that summer, obviously, Trevor grew about a foot that summer. And, I mean, the rest is history. You know, Trevor's, Trevor's had a glorious career, and he's a, he's a wonderful individual, right? So That's amazing, though, Wolfie. You played five games as a 15-year-old. I, I played, well, I mean, as you know, I went out west and played Junior A at 14. But at 15, I played three games with the Americans, and I was pumped. I didn't even realize that you, we have been friends all this time. When you when you were talking about your first year, I thought it was 16, and then I did a, did the math. When I was just looking at Hockey DB today, I, I was like, Jesus, 15 years old. So you scored a goal. That must have been huge. To yeah, score a goal as a 15-year-old with Medicine Hat, your team that, you know, your, for lack of a better way to put it, your second, like, hometown. So how did that feel, and where was it? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was a Regina. It was, it, it was a Regina on the road, it was. And I remember – being kind of half out of it because Cam Jansons was playing on that team then, and he was a he was an older I think he was nineteen or twenty and Mark you know, Jansons you mean? Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Mark Jansons. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he it was a big fucking tough guy, man. He's insanely massive, right? And and yeah. he hit me so hard that my leg, my head actually hit the ice in between my legs. So I was kind of out of it. So I kind of remember, kind of <laughs> don't remember the goal and. That team was so good. I mean, that was the first year that Medicine had had, had won the cup back to back, and yeah, uh, they're just they're, they were so good. They were just so good that year to start with. And the next year, when we did win it, the next year, I don't think we were pegged to win it. I think we just ended up winning it. So yeah, I mean, so you win the Mem Cup, you get drafted. You're I I, I don't know the story about you getting traded to Spokane. Was that a personal request or because Spokane were gunning for it again? Of course, I already gave the plot. The, the I gave what happens away in that I've already told people that you won the Memorial Cup. I've talked about it on the odd podcast for years because I 
that team really intrigued me. It was the first time that I, I guess, had seen the Western League. It was national, the Spokane Chiefs. I know what happened in Medicine Hat. I didn't really see much about that. I heard about it. And over here, I, I don't know the way the TV rights work then, but when I watched the Memorial Cup, it was the first time I ever saw your team, and it resonated with me for a lot of reasons. Pat Falloon was, I think, ranked behind Lindros. Did he go number two? He played on your team. Ray Whitney was intriguing, smaller player, but real good. You were unbelievable in junior. I know you had way more than a point a game that year. You smashed it. Uh, so what brought you to Spokane in the first place? Well, there's a gentleman, he was, our, I guess, our GM in medicine had Tim Speltz. Um, he goes way, way back with my family. My brother had him as a general manager in Midget and didn't really see eye to eye uh, along the way. You know, hockey was kind of changing at that point. And um, about halfway through that year, I think I was 33 or 35 goals at Christmas. Uh, I was close to leading the dub, I, I think, at that, that point. But um, he ended up trading me for me and Chris Lafreniere, actually, for Travis Green. They, they, they thought they had a real good chance of winning the cup, and they – um, obviously decided that I wasn't going to be a part of that. So um, ended up uh, trade, trading us down there. And it was kind of wild, you know, going in there, they were, they weren't really pegged as a good team that year. Really? I, I remember, yeah, I remember going into Tri-Cities and we got with Stu Barnes in there and they pegged us like 14-1 one night. And it, it was kind of, uh, it wow. was kind of like a, a flip-flop to the next season. You know what I mean? How good we actually were as a group, but yeah, going in there and then, you know, playing with Patty and, and Ray that year, those guys were, I mean, they were they were ahead of their time, really. You know, Patty was an amazing player. That, Ray, not only fucking yeah. that, Wolfie, not only that, you had a guy, Kerry Toporowski, with five, over 500 penalty minutes. And that year, remember, they took out the 10s. He got yeah. 505 penalty minutes without tens being counted. See, I heard of all this. That's why it intrigues me. And I'm not kidding you. Like, I, I don't really I – re, I remember watching you guys win it on TV somehow. And in 1991-92 – so the summer of 91 was when I went out to play the Vancouver Super Series, and Tri-City sent me up to play in Quinnell. So I was playing junior at 14 – Again, I'm hearing all these names. I, I'm watching games. I, I think that year, I think Kamloops won it. And when Zach Boyer scored on a breakaway and in, in, in maybe an overtime, I had Corey Hirsch on a couple of weeks ago. But I remember watching that, and I was already living out west. So, like, I was forming, like, my hockey idols were, like, starting to come from the west, you know, because obviously I knew I was going to go there, and I really honed in. So I always thought because the team I was watching, Spokane, were so good. I thought you got traded there because they were going for it, and you just lost the first year, and then you won it with all the guns. So you're telling me you left one winning situation, randomly went to another team that had no idea they were going to win it a year from then, and then won it again? And then, then, and then I won it as a 20-year-old, yeah. That is fucking unbelievable. Like, I know people yeah. get multiple Memorial Cups. Usually it's a situation of you win one and then they trade for you at the deadline. You were dumped off. And then fucking not only won the WHL, won the Memorial Cup, which I hear is one of the hardest trophies to win in the world because you only have a little window to do it. And there's all three leagues playing for it, right? Um, yeah. Anyway, that is fucking wild. So then you get drafted to Boston. You were in, obviously, contact with them. They must have been happy with your Memorial Cup. 
and then you go on a pro hockey ride for the next 15 years that's wild, wacky, and weird. Uh, so how did that go? You go to your first camp in Boston. Yeah, you know, it was kind of hyped up in Boston too, you know what I mean? Because like, it was the first summer that I kind of went out and worked on the oil rig too when I was 19, right? Same summer I got, so they put that big, you know, the whole thing comes into the into the paper of uh, in the Boston Globe of, holy moly, we drafted this guy that works on the oil rigs and this and that. And by the time I got there, it was so hyped up, you know, I think Lyndon Byers and Bruce Shoebottom were chomping at the bit to have a tug at me. And I'm like, get away yeah. from me. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so Boston was was the best experience because it it was an eye opener for me. Mike Milbury was obviously the coach there. And, you know, my idol Cam Neely was on there, you know, and just to see him on the ice and Ray Bork and all those guys, the Sweeney boys they had there. uh, Al Peterson, who, you know, was a medicine eye tiger in the past. He actually taught me in hockey schools when I was younger. You know, and then being able to play with him there, and then I played with him in Springfield afterwards in Hartford situation, uh, in, in their farm club. But uh, yeah, it's Fuck just it's a, a small world. It, it was a wild ride. It really was. I, I wasn't, I wasn't in the best of shape coming in. So, and it was, it was great to learn that lesson right off the start of my career, and uh, you know, looked after it after that. But it, it was a heck of a, it was a well, heck of a your era, man. Well, it's just I was just coming in at the. I guess you can say it's my era, you know, but you came in just, the, what are you, seven years older? Like those mid eighties, like it was God. And, and, and those that st- I know because I played with guys and it was a different mentality. Like I'm not saying what's better or worse or because it's nice to hang out with your buddies. But back then, like a big part of it was going out and, and drinking beers with the boys and, and trying to navigate, navigate yourself around that. Cause that's a lot of fun. Right. And, Lots of teams, like you just look over, and if the captain, and the assistants are doing it, like I'm okay, and it's it's fun to do this, and you know we work, you'll work out, but maybe not as much as you would be today. Uh, and again, I'm not in any way putting down either system or either culture, either era. It was just like I remember, like it was men, you know, like you you were coming in and uh, look, Wolfie, you had like 96 penalty minutes. That would be considered now a lot. Right. You'll go, you, you would go, ah, I only fought six times that year. And it's like, you know, like it was an era of a lot more fighting, a lot of more physicality, but off the ice, like, you know, it was, it was a bar culture. And if you're going to places like you got to tell me about this, the colonial league, two years within you're at a junior, you're winning the Mem cup. You're all over. You're drafted to Boston. You go to camp. This is wild. Tell me about your experience in that league. Cause I mean, I don't want to say it was bad. I'm not saying that. It was It was definitely a it, – it felt like another planet when it came to pro hockey because of the teams, because of the players there. There were great players like yourself, but there was some real heavyweight goons and everything in between, some crazy burns, crazy coaches. How did you get How did you get started in that league? Uh, well, it was, we thought it was the first year Ottawa was in existence, the Senators, and uh, so I ended up getting sent down. Uh, and playing in Thunder Bay, and Thunder Bay was uh, was a wild ride, man. It they was, affiliated uh, in the Colonial League. I find that so. Again, I got nothing against the Colonial League, but you know what I mean. There was something. Most teams went to the coast. I think at that point, the East Coast League, like they do now, you know, which yeah. seemed like a more organized, professional eyes are on you in you know higher ups. You know, I mean, how many NHL scouts went to Thunder Bay? But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, there, I mean. 
Ottawa scouts were there. That's about it. I would think they'd just come to look at our guys. And, you know, naming Jerry St. Cyr before that, you know, Jerry played in Thunder Bay after me too. You know what I mean? So Dan yeah. Jerry was, he was quite the customer when he played, you know what I mean? He played both sides of the fence, right? So he really uh, did. Yeah. But I mean, that team there, I mean, my, my roommates that year were Gary Callahan. He played in the O in the O and he was, he was a fantastic player, but Brian yeah. Wells was my other roommate and Wells, he, as people know, he got suspended two years worldwide for a stick fight with Mark Tenorti. You know, yeah, he beat yes. Mark Tenorti, broke, broke his arms right there, or one of his arms in a stick fight. You know, I remember him going off the ice, and he had about this much of his stick left, you know, in his hands. And then, you know, he went wow. over to actually, he went over to Scotland and tried to play there, but the world had had caught on to it. He actually went over there under a different uh, identity and tried to play there. So, uh, and then they finally wow, figured what's out. this guy's name? Brian Wells. Yeah. I heard he that. Now, I didn't realize that was why, though. And I do remember the stick fight you're talking about. Everybody talking about it, but there was no YouTube. So, you yeah. know, I, I just I, I heard about it more than anything. Yeah, he, um, he played. In, he played in Regina and Tenorti was playing with the Calgary Wranglers back then. But but yeah, Thunder Bay was uh, it was definitely we were a pretty tight knit group coached by Bill McDonald. He's coaching, I think, down in somewhere down in the south now. But um, we had. It was extremely tough. Uh, Mel Engelstead was there. Yeah. Vern Ray, Vern Ray was a was a big Aboriginal guy, man, and he was six four, lefty man. He was he was tough, man. And uh, I I could go on and on. There's probably or Bruce Ramsey was there. You know the Ram Ram Jam. Yeah, I do, man. They were tough, man. They, and they're not only tough though, Wolfie, like legends of you know the game, like characters. Right, like Mel Engelstad is one of the all-time characters. Actually, I'd love to get him on here. I, I don't really know him that well. I've heard about him, but uh, and I, Wolfie, I could talk about this as a friend, and a player. I, I could spend ten hours talking about these teams. So, we we might come back to that. But I'm curious about the whole journey, and I'm sure people listening want to hear some stories, uh, especially some like you know, I want to get into some of the senior hockey stuff. But anyway. You go up, so that same year you're in the A. You're in the A a few times, and I know you're a great player, and I'm looking at stats in junior that you're playing against the same guys that have success. You didn't get much ice time when you went up there. Is that what happened? Uh, it was limited for sure. I mean, that year, so I, I played in Thunder Bay, and at about halfway through the year, you know, something just kind of snapped inside. I was getting to a point of being like 20 pounds overweight while I was playing, and it was ridiculous, really. We were we were just having too much fun off the ice as a team and it, it happened. And that would, that was the error. You know what I mean? And I kind of wanted to make a change. So I ended up uh, calling Tara Skowski down in Columbus. Really? Uh, Roscoe. Yeah. And then uh, he actually, I, I, it's the only team I ever transferred in a middle of a season, just be, you know, because it wasn't a personal issue, just a personal choice that I think I wanted to have my career go in a different direction because so far in my career, it, it, it hadn't, uh, you know, gone to the levels that I wanted it to go to. And it was probably more of my personal commitment. And so going down there and then that's how I kind of got up to the American league that year, me and Clayton Young and Blair Atchinum actually all played together down there. And yeah. we, all ended up, we all ended up getting called up there because we were lighting it up so much in, in Columbus. But uh, when I first went to Columbus, Roscoe really took me by the horn and, um, he taught me how to eat, taught me how to train better. Um, nice. I didn't know this. Yeah. He didn't play me for like two weeks, man. He'd keep me out after practice and skate me and skate me and skate me and skate me and skate me. And, skate me. and then, um, yeah, he just, 
<clears throat> I oh, remember man, it was man. getting close where it was getting close where he was going to bring me in to play uh, to actual game. And I came in that night and then it was like, well, Jersey wasn't up my stall. And I was like, oh, I guess I'm not playing tonight. I'll get ready for the next game. You know, keep working and keep go ride the bike for a while and work out again. And uh, Roscoe ended up coming in. And that's why I ended up wearing number eight after that. Most of my career is because really? Roscoe. Roscoe was number eight when he was with uh, when he you know when he played in the show and was captain a couple of places and he never ever let anybody actually wear his jersey his number when he was coaching right and he never had let it in Saskatoon and some really other I didn't know that either Wolfie yeah and mm-hmm. then he just uh, he came in and he just made a speech about uh, you know this guy came in worked his tail off he lost twenty two pounds in twenty in two weeks I did and. Uh, he just uh, he ended up giving me number eight, and that's how that's how I wore number eight the rest of my career, and it was awesome because Cam Neely was number eight so as well. So, and you fucking did well when you went up to the A with with a little opportunity. So, and I don't say this, Wolfie, in any negative sense. You know, you got sent down. It happens to all of us, but I just say it because you've got one of the best shots I've ever seen. And if anything, I did spend time in the NHL, and I saw a lot of people shoot the puck. And I mean, you're up there with like Michael Ryder, like that. It's wild anywhere. And I play with you and I know what I like to get points. And I literally just needed to throw it your way more than once. And, you know, well, whenever we played together and there was a chance that you were going to get it. And you, you needed a little space. That's it. A little space. One little stutter step. Defense go one way and you saw it and you could score better than 99% of the players I play with. But uh, so I don't want to frame it. Poorly, I just think, you know, you're an NHL player that didn't happen to play NHL games. But you go on a tear after that. You go over to the Air Scottish Eagles. Well, Austria first, um, where, where you do well, point a game. And now you go there for three years. I'm fascinated with the British Elite League. And if I was in your position, I would have definitely made the move to Europe at some point. I'm kind of pissed off that I couldn't. I had that ankle injury. But um, you seem to find a home there. So what was that experience like? It was, you know, at that point in my career, I was knew I was going over there. So I was trying to sign in some places where my family originated, right? So my mom's side of her family's from Rankin, right? Uh, related to the Rankin family from the East there, the, the, ah. the, great, the great musical band, right? Okay, didn't realize that. Yeah, so but the, the Rankin family actually um, came from the Air, Air, AYR. That's where I played Air in Scotland. And that Ayrshire area is where that family actually originated way way back in the day and that's where the family plots are right so yeah yeah that's where it all started and i was only going to go there one year and play and it, i loved it so much the scottish people are the absolute salt of the earth they, they just they just treated us like gold uh the second year over there we won all four trophies in in one season um you play for a benson hedges cup uh, an express cup which is a newspaper and then the regular season and the playoffs and it hadn't been done i didn't realize hockey in scotland had been there since man in, uh, in the 30s before the war right so the last time somebody had won all four trophies in the in in great britain was like 1947 or 48 and we were the first group to do it since then and um wow. we were the only yeah we were the only scottish based team there was um us and then there was i think eight teams in england and one in wales and uh, uh belfast wasn't in the league yet at that point but yeah it was it was a heck of an experience over there the hockey was as close as to to um to north america as you'll find i mean yeah your first your first tussle or your first fight that you got in the ref would like you and he they, they just give everybody two plus two for roughing and then if you got <laughs> in another fight it would be two plus two for each guy for roughing and then if you got in a third one then they then they'd boot you and you'd have to sit a game but they, they usually uh-huh. give you two freebies over there and it was 
it was a real good place to really learn how to defend for yourself. You know what I mean? Because everybody was kind of just coming together at that time. And then once we figured it out as a group, but I played with a lot of great guys over there. Joey Middlestead played with us over there. Sean Byram. You know, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Angelo well, Fentanero. That's, uh, that's a fantastic experience. Okay, a little bit of technical difficulty there, but that's uh, not the first time it happened. It won't be the last. Wolfie, I can't remember exactly where we were. I asked you about Air Scottish Eagles, but right after that, you had a three-year stint in Regensburg. And I know that you learned a bit of German. You love the culture there. You've told me about stories about playing there before. And uh, I'm curious, what brought you there in the first place? And do you still have any connections in Europe on either side with Scotland or in Regensburg? Regensburg's in Germany, by the way, for those who don't know. Yeah, Regensburg's in Germany. It's about 110 kilometers northeast of um, Munich towards the Czech, Czech border. So um, it, it was a great time playing there. I went there again because, you know, my, my mom was stationed twice in Germany, once with her father in the military, once with my father, obviously. And then my father was stationed there and my brother was born up in Iserlohn. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, uh, just off the military base up there. So I wanted to go back and kind of follow the footsteps of, uh, you know, kind of where you know, the wolf name originated in Germany. And so we just kind of want to follow the footsteps and kind of see where, you know, our family tree, had, had, you know, it had come from and, and, you know, walk the same path over there. So that's how and it all light started. It up and light it up. <laughs> Wolfie, they must have loved you. You got a German name. You come in there as some import. I mean, most people like me, I wouldn't have a clue. You know, I, I played ball hockey in Germany. I love Germany, by the way, could not believe how big it was. Like cities like Cologne that I think like I hear that. I'm like, well, you know, it's a smaller city in Europe. Got like two million people. It is fucking huge. I loved every minute of it. But you got the name Wolf. For those that don't know, W-O-O-L-F. It's obvious that you're German and you're coming in from this other planet seemingly. And these fans are getting to see it and you fucking light it up, man. That must have been a laugh, was it? It, it was a, it was a blast playing there. Like we, I, I got there because Yuji Lala, Yuji used to play in the, the CCCP team, the old team, man. and he okay. was fantastic. I played with him in Scotland. He had, he had lit it up all over the world. He, he just unfortunately didn't make it across the NHL. Him and uh, Eric Kunakel, Eric Kunakel, his son Tom Kunakel played in Pittsburgh, right? Eric was um, yeah. They, they they called him the German Gretzky. He was a centerman. He was six foot seven off the off the ice. I did not know that. I know exactly who you're talking about. Never saw any footage or anything. I just, back in the day, you would read the hockey news and they'd have stats. And, you know, you look at hockey DB now and you see these common denominators. I didn't know he was that big. Yeah, he was, he was awesome. And, and that's how we got there. And me and John Spolter actually went over there. Johnny, God rest his soul. But, you know, Johnny was, uh, he was loved by them as well. You know what I mean? It just, we came over and played together. Um, we only had five imports. So, between me yeah. and Johnny, we just we just kind of lit it up over there, and they did they, they took to us because you know we we had a bit of fun off the ice too. It was later in our careers, you know what I mean. So I, I think the the German society they called Regensburg back in the day the L.A. of Germany. So I, like everybody'd go out to dinner and they dressed to the nines just to go out for dinner. They come to the hockey game and they'd be in suits and ties. It was just it was a great environment. Uh, the rink before that probably wasn't that packed in the. The first shift I remember, David Musel, he, he was drafted by somebody, I think Pittsburgh. He was playing uh, in Wolfsburg, and he kind of picked the puck up in the corner and turned around. He cut to the middle of the ice, and I came from the right side to the left and hit him so hard and knocked him out. It was my first hit and knocked him out cold. 
and that rink was crazy. And then after that, that rink was packed full and we just, we terrorized teams coming in there and uh, Martin Anchichka played there. He was, he was a fantastic Czechoslovakian uh, German born player. And uh, he was our captain there too, right? They love their beers in Germany. They do. I mean, he, this is the favorite time right now. You know what? I think it's coming to an end in a couple of days. Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest. Yeah. If you've never been, you gotta go because it's. They, I was they there. Got, for, I was in Munich one year for Oktoberfest. I played. Look, I won't get into it. It's your interview, but I don't know if you knew. I played in um, Cincinnati in '01, and our owners were Cuba Gooding Jr. and Phil Esposito. And they, <laughs> we went. They said be at camp early, and I was like, you know, we're going to like September 11th. It's weird for the coast. And we went and they took us over to Europe and we played like four teams from Austria and uh, four from Italy. And then, you know, we, we had time in the middle and we went to the Oktoberfest in Munich. Yeah, I, I can't even explain to people what it was just like a bunch of tents. Well, for the version I went to, there's like eight huge, like, I mean, factory big tents, like huge. And they were just lying. It was just people drinking those big, whatever you call them, like three beers in one. What do you call Masi. those things? Masse. Masse. Holy yeah. shit, man! Yeah, yeah it's, it was it's a, a liter of beer in a in, in a mug. A liter of beer in a mug, and you're and you're drinking all day, and you're, and I'm wondering. I remember saying to the guys, like, I wish I played a couple in Germany because you hear about it. I see stats. I know all about the league, but I didn't get to play any in Germany. And I'm like, can you imagine like a, a rank with these fans that love beer so much, like watching our level or our brand of hockey? Like you said, you hit somebody, they went nuts. Doesn't surprise me. Um, but look, you brought up Johnny Spoltor. Try to tell people there's some players I saw score in the minors. And I, you know, if you back then again with no YouTube, you, if, if you didn't come across these people, you would only know them from their stats. He's, he's gone now. He, he died about maybe 10 years ago. And I didn't know him. I met him after a San Diego Gulls stint. For those that don't know, I asked Wolfie about the, 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 the Scottish team. And then I just asked him about the German team in the middle Wolfie went to play in San Diego Gulls three years in the West Coast League, late 90s, early 2000s, and that's when I was there. So we got to know each other. I'd be on the road playing. You guys, Was the bar named Chill Coots? There was a bar we used to go to. Yeah, I, I think that was one of them. Uh, the Beachcomber, too, because... Um, oh, I can't remember his name. Chill Coots was in Anchorage, I think. Oh, Chill Coots was in Anchorage, yeah, you're right. There was a bar in San Diego. Anyway, look, again, we could go in for five hours. Wolfie, when I played in San Diego, I said, this is the best minor league place I've ever seen. I mean, I'm in the minors playing for the Montreal Canadiens, our farm team. You know, not, not that we were treated poorly. I love Fredericton. I'm from Atlantic Canada. But when I got down and saw, I'm like, people have been playing in this? Like palm trees. And, and it's one thing with all the other places, Wolfie. I played in Orlando. I loved it. But San Diego, oh, God, oh, God, do I love it. I, you played three full years there. Johnny Spoltor. You guys won. Your rings were bigger than my head. Tell us a little bit about Spoltor and a little bit about uh, San Diego. Well, yeah, Johnny was uh, Johnny was just he was just a fantastic player. Um, you know, me, him, and Dennis Purdy played together. Dennis Purdy yeah. being from the and you played the roller world. hockey with, with those guys too, right? Yeah, with, with more with Purds. Uh, Johnny, we kind of met because we we had Mike Taylor as as our center first, and then Steve Martinson wanted to make a change, and uh, I. I Johnny was was a heck of a fit for me and Dennis. You know what I mean, Denny? Yeah. I lived with Dennis for probably nine years. I played with him in Scotland for three years. I played with him in San Diego. We played roller hockey the whole six years together in San wow. Jose. You know, and, and I met Dennis at uh, 
I met him at the All-Star game in the East Coast Hockey League our very first year. He was playing for the Johnstown Chiefs where they filmed Slapshot. And, mm-hmm. and uh, just we decided to have a beer or two together, and we were a little hungover for the, the skate the next morning and been best oh, yeah. buddies ever since. So, <laughs> Yeah, um, that's wild. So <laughs> I wouldn't know where to go with all this because San Diego, I got so many stories. It was just so much fun. I love the West Coast League. Now, now the for those that don't know, the East Coast League is it kind of absorbed it all. So, like, if you think about the East Coast, Anchorage ain't in it. San Diego ain't in the East Coast. But they they just absorbed it all. So now I think it's the ECHL. They don't even call it the East Coast League anymore. But before that, Wolfie and I played. There was ten. There was nine teams my first year. I played in Colorado one year and, and Idaho the next. And uh, but we would fly everywhere, and I was used to the to the AHL, and I'd I'd had a, a few injury setbacks, but so that level was. I'm not putting it down. I'm just saying, uh, you know, people are like, why didn't you go to the AHL that year? I was holding out of Montreal, and I'm like, you know what? I want to go somewhere that I really want to go and enjoy it. I'm sick of being told where to go, and I went to Colorado Springs, Wolfie, and I was like, oh, and then I'm coming in. I just played in Fredericton, like you know, this is fucking the miners. This is a, the most established hockey team with the heritage you could say one of the most famous sporting franchises on the planet and again i had nothing wrong with freddie or anything or the deals we were on i was making 67.5 us so i got 100 canadian it was great but i'm looking at it when i pull in and craig lyons and zach boyer and um carl leblanc and these guys are showing up in like hundred thousand dollar rigs they're in their house right they're getting everything paid for they're getting good money and I won't say who, but like we were getting money on the cap and then under the cap because there was a salary cap in that league, and you'd get a golden handshake with your check every week. And I'm going, holy shit, these guys are making more. Like Leo told me, he goes, I was up in Springfield. I wasn't really sure, but he goes like, you know, I think I could have stepped, kept playing up there, but it was just great in these teams. He goes, Long Beach, Colorado Springs were awesome, and I was making way more than I was in the A. And I'm going, you know what? This is fucking wild. All these and, and in those leagues, you get everything paid for. So what the team would do, at least with us, probably with you, I don't know if you're even at liberty to say, same thing in Idaho, you know, you'd go there and they put like your bonus, quote unquote, would be like a down payment on a house. And then so when they're paying your rent, they're just paying. And whenever you're ready to go, it could be eight years later. Then you can sell the house. That's a little bit extra money you got. You know, you can have roommates, whatever it is that they're paying for. It's wild when I saw the structure and you're flying everywhere. And it's cities like, again, I got nothing against fucking Fredericton or St. John or Wooster or Lowell. Hey, it's where I was playing. It's good. We got a game. I'm going to put my fucking game face on and play it. But when all of a sudden it's Phoenix, Bakersfield, San Diego, Long Beach, Idaho, Colorado Springs, Anchorage, I'm going, I've fi- I felt like I'm finally home. I fucking loved it. And I know that's a long way to state it, but that's how I felt about that league. The best place to play there was San Diego. You guys won it. So, Wolfie, my question for you is in all that time, here we've been talking about, and then afterwards, senior hockey, which we'll get into, and all the roller hockey, you made so many connections do you like more than anybody that I know in the game, even in the NHL, you played in so many leagues and so much roller hockey and senior hockey. And then, you know, you were a rep, you're all over. Do you have connections in these places? Do you go back and visit a, a lot of these places that you played in? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I go to San Diego probably almost once a year before COVID anyways. You know what I mean? I still go back and see my buddies there. I, I go down and see Purdy in Minnesota. Uh, you know, he's wow. running a bank down there now, uh, but a lot of the places they play and you always have friends uh, in Germany, Scotland. I still in touch with a lot of my friends over there. Good. Uh, in, 
in Germany, a lot of people didn't know, but Sportagon was a player agency that me and another guy and some lawyers started over there while I was playing there. And that was a, it was a bad, bad idea, bad idea. But in the, in the end, you know, they ended up buying, buying me out of that, at that part and, and moving along. But getting back to San Diego, San Diego, San Diego was, was like each, each place that we play holds a special deer to our hearts. We, we all know this as we play, you know what I mean? Some yeah. places more than others, Germany. I love Scotland. I loved um, San Diego. Obviously I loved them, but it had some special meaning there. You know, when we won it that year, you know, that was the year that BJ, if you, if, if you remember, that's the year that BJ broke his BJ neck and he lost. McPherson. Yeah. McPherson, right. Was his name. I do, dude. They, they did a fucking thing for him before the game. And I remember, I remember twice in my life. Cause there's a lot of like, you know, charity stuff and fundraisers and memorials before games but i i was crying on the bench i had i had goosebumps and it was terrible it, you know he broke his neck right in a game yeah it, it was it was a heck of a series that we had you know between us and, and you guys in idaho there you know you guys yeah. coming in and beating us the first two games at home and then go up there game three is when um you know adam borchevsky kind of need him in the back of the neck as he fell down in front of the net there and bj lost all his motor skills right off the start uh, right, right from the start, it, it was it was an awful incident, and it, it took a lot out. And uh, we ended up coming back, and I think winning in overtime that night, and then beating you guys the next night, and then kind of beating you the next night, and then we came home with a three-two lead coming off the road. Nobody had won a game yet, and uh, come home, and like you said, you know the video tribute that they did to him, and the, you know the number twenty-eight towels that they were rolling in that rink, and there was twenty-one thousand people in that rink that night in San Diego, packed to the rafters. It was. And, I, you know, seeing that, and as, as most guys who played the game realize that, you know, when you're that emotional, it's, it's tough to control your emotions. And I mean, that's what we do best as pros and, and until we unleash them. But um, I, I think it took a little bit too much energy out of us that night. And I think you end up, you guys end up beating us five, nothing. And then, and then of course we ended up winning four, one in the, in the, in game seven, but uh, you know, it was not knowing how he was doing. He, it, it happened up in Boise. Uh, Dr. Zimmerman was a was a neck specialist that was world renowned, and he actually just moved to Boise because there were so many uh, rodeo injuries of guys getting their neck stepped on by, yeah. by horses, by bulls, right? And he tried this this new technique on BJ and and kind of fixed BJ, man. And I, I, I we were dumbfounded. And then just before Game Seven, you know, it's still emotional, but Steve Martinson came in, did his rah rah speech. Uh, kind of get us going and he said you know I want to introduce somebody who wants to say hi to you guys and they geez they wheel them in on a you know in a wheelchair man holy was, fuck you, you you could hear the cockroaches farting in that dressing room man you, that, it was that quiet and then you know bj just kind of you know made his unselfish speech as our captain as he was right and and then he's like you know boys it's gonna be all right and he just kind of lifted his left foot up just ever so slightly and wiggled his ankle and boom just like that you know you see that he's okay he's, he's got some movement in his body and, he, and it gives you hope that he's going to walk again someday and it was a long road for bj and bj obviously walks to this day and you know has a little wow. bit of issue but yeah it was it was a wild time and so you know that ring means i, I won a lot of rings in my career and, and that one is is definitely you know holds a pretty special meaning and it and it's even it's two decades. I remember seeing a lot of championship rings. Right, you play hockey, you see a lot of championship rings, and I distinctly remember uh, 
that being one of the nicest that I've ever seen. Still to this day, it seems that every year, every ring is one-upped. You'd think 20 years ago, but it's beautiful. And I'm glad, you know, that's, that's a great story. Well, it, 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 it's an inspirational story. I won't say a great story. Someone hurts themselves. But you know what I mean. And I did. I got a feeling of community in San Diego. It wasn't just the, the environment. You guys were a tight-knit team. I got to see it a little bit myself. And uh, just the community really embraced you. They didn't have hockey for a while. And I was really disappointed. Now it's back. And I'm glad. It's one of the, the best places I've ever played. Now, Wolf, I don't want to keep you all day, but we, we go to uh, – before we get there, actually, I want people to realize that there was a pro hockey league. You played – you and my buddy Darren Colburn really lit it up. Uh, and I guess I should I, – I can't I can't brush over it. It's, it's too big a part, I think, of hockey history that people don't talk about. I watched the game, folks, with my own eyes. I'd heard about it. I got drafted to the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> I haven't mentioned that yet. I go – I'm staying in the Manoir Le Moyne. Um, it's, it's a hotel right next to Montreal Forum. I get brought in a little bit early for camp and everything, right? Meet the press and everything. They brought in me in Saku Koivu. And I remember the night before, I have nothing to do. And I went down and they're like, there's a roller hockey game. They said an inline game at, at the Forum. I went down, man, to watch. Uh, was at San Jose, was it? Uh, play yep. or Anaheim. No, San Jose Rhinos play the Montreal Roadrunners. I get to the rink. It is jammed. It's jammed. It actually ends up being, the boys won it. It ended up being the, the last championship that it was ever won in the forum. And it was packed. I mean, I'm not exaggerating. It was no different than watching, except for, for obviously there's no ice. And the rules are slightly different. And I think fascinating. Four on four, wheeling, way more physical than I thought. And I was like, this is a world that no one really even knows about. Again, it was right before social media. I think if they, if you guys had that, it would have stayed. But there was teams all over North America selling out 20,000. Like, people don't realize that. So, Buck, I got to ask you, how did you get there? It must have been fucking awesome to play pro roller hockey. And you guys ended up winning a world championship, right? Yeah, we did. Yep. We, that we ended up beating Montreal there. Uh, it all started at uh, Roy Sommer. Who's uh, yeah. he's in the San Jose Sharks system? He was assistant coach there, I think. Now, um, he was my coach my very first year in the East Coast Hockey League in the Roanoke Valley. Um, and uh, he just called me, he's like, Hey, do you want to come and try this? Well, back up, but Roy was born in Oakland, so he was a shoe in for the job in San, in San Jose. Him and his wife, Melissa, and, and his two sons at the time, Marley. Marley is a special needs kid, he's a great kid, still is to this day, obviously. Um, that's how it started. Richard Shillington was our owner. He was an oil and gas guy from Calgary and, uh, Doug Wilson, Doug Wilson was a part of that. And, you know, Doug, Doug being a part of that right from the start brought us instant credibility. And then, you know, when we started, it's, he's like, do you want to come out and try this roller hockey? I'm like, roller, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I literally had to ask him, Hey, are we playing on four wheels or what is, what's, what's the deal here? And he's like, no, no, they got these new inline skates. They all come in a line, the four wheels. I said, all right, I'll give it, come out and give it a try. And just for me, for me, it was just a natural fit. It was, you know, you weaved yourself up the floor in the beginning. And if you could watch that guys couldn't stop and come back at you, then you could, you, you know, you could adjust the game and, and really rip it. I mean, and, and you know, playing that game that you can, if you can shoot the puck close to 100 miles an hour in hockey, well, that thing's moving 120, 130 with a roller oh hockey. God. Once you get a yeah. hold of it, right? And yeah. so, I mean, that's how it all started. And Roy was that whole era with Darren Colburn and, and all us guys that played there are, are starting guys. Most of the guys were playing out of 
Richmond the next year because that's how, where Roy had went to coach that year. So okay. a lot of those guys, the, Colburn was playing in Dayton at that time. Yeah. Um, and then, so we all came and we lived there together. Me, Colburn and Dennis Birdie actually all lived together in this big massive condo with our wives and girlfriends back then. But um, in, San Jose. It was in San Jose, yeah, we, uh, we lived right in the hood really is where we were and the, the gang guys were loving us. They, we got us to sign their white jerseys and they'd be wearing around the neighborhood. <laughs> it was wild. Hey, man, play hockey players drinking at the bar. I know I, I met some shady characters over the course of my career and I don't mind at all. I'm like, Hey, rather be on their good side than their bad. Fine to me. Um, Absolutely. That is wild. That's another thing, right? Like, again, all this happened because you can shoot a puck. Like, it's just fucking wild. I say to people, you know, you're here telling me these stories that I'm still fascinated by. And, uh, they are, I guess, they're, they're, like I said earlier, they're, they're right before so much spotlight was put on sports in general or the world with, with social media. You, you, all you'd need is YouTube. You show a bunch of kids, 20,000 people watching roller hockey, that game, four on four, wheeling around. I loved playing. Um, I think, I think it would really catch on. because it, I, I say it because it, it clearly had caught on. There was something... I don't want to get into it, but something went amiss with the planning of that league because it was it was on the scene. It burst onto the scene. Everybody loved it. Like you said, there's I mean, I'm in Montreal, the mecca of hockey in the world, you could argue at least. I don't want to be biased. You could argue. And it's packed and people are loving it. And there was cheerleaders that had a different vibe than, a, than an NHL game, um, you know, because they were doing some new marketing stuff. I thought it was wild. For those that don't know, I did play one year on Team Canada with Wolfie in 2004. I didn't play pro roller hockey. Every single other play player on the team did. I didn't really deserve to be there, but I played locally here and I could I could hold my own. But we ended up uh, making the final and we lost on Canada Day, am I right, to the USA 3-2 to two in London, Ontario in our own burn. Um, yeah, but we had a blast overtime. doing it in overtime. Um, I had a blast Did doing you? it, though. Was that the last time you played on Team Canada? That was the last time, yeah. No, I no, sorry. I, I think I played one more time after that. I think it was the Pan American Games. I went down. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, went, yeah, yeah. And the rink down there, we were in Santo Domingo and Dominican Republic, and um, it was you only had ten guys. That's all they brought. That's all the teams were allowed to bring. So again, the rink was not set up like a rink. It was in some warehouse in the middle of uh, Santo Domingo, and the corners were just these little boards that were just no fucking way. That's some big Pan Am game. Is that the one the goalie got? Fucked you with the steroids? No, no, that was in Winnipeg. Yeah, afterwards. there was one though. Remember, there was a Pan Am Games where there was—I I don't know the guy's name—but uh, I guess Canada's medals got taken away or something. He—he he, he was steroids. He, he I was positive after the games. Yeah. Yeah, whatever it was. I don't really know. I don't care. But the only reason I remember is because I was really rooting for roller hockey. Like, like Pan Am Games is one step away from the Olympics, and I think they were like looking at it for that reason. Um. And so it kind of put a black mark on a good situation. I just remember that. But uh, so this all brings us to the Bentley Generals, 2007, 2008. So Wolfie and I played in it's, it, this place is historic in Canadian senior hockey, Allen Cup history. For those that don't know, when I say senior hockey, it's merely over 20. It's not like 65. And it's, it makes it seem like some rec league, like, you know, drinking while you're playing slow pitch. It's not that. It's semi-pro, especially the guys we were pulling in. Everybody in our team played pro. Bentley is about I don't know, 25 minutes, I, I, help me here if I'm wrong, northwest of, of Red Deer. And it's got 700 people in the town. It's got a tiny little rink with like, what do you call them out back? Not stables, but 
there's cows. Yeah. <laughs> and we go in there and, you know, they entered this league and Wolfie and I were going to go play on another team, but it was too much of a gong show. I don't want to get into that, I suppose. And we had nowhere to play. So we joined this team. And over the course of that year, we ended up making the Allen Cup fucking final. We lost and all the way the senior hockey teams all over. And we, we went all the way with the Bentley Generals, little town from – it was a story on TSN and made the final. But in between, it was a lot of fun. Do you remember the bar we used to drink at? At Monkey Top. The Monkey Top in Bentley, Alberta. Wow. Some, like anybody walked through that door was a character. They had stories. Wolfie, that was – I think I think that might be my favorite hole in the wall – to have a beer ever. We just you felt like you were on another planet. It's like, you know, even Red Deer's not big, but you're like, you know, we're 25 minutes like west. There's no one passing through here. There's no one like accidentally. It's like when you go to Stetler. You're in Stetler. There's nobody accidentally passing through. It's not like Red Deer where hey, I'm I'm, I'm in Edmonton, I'm on the way to Calgary. Like, you know, there's old timers, there's stories, there's laborers for like 80 years and they come in and all they want is a fucking cold beer and to tell a story. I loved it. it, it, it <laughs> you remember those days? Well, we ran into lots of old Bentley generals that played there. You know what I mean? We yes. All of a sudden we're running these guys that are 60, 70 years old. And they, they played on Bentley way back in the day, right? So yeah, hockey I mean, tradition there was, I had no idea, you know, and then you, then you, you yeah. realize that the gutters, you know, Brian Sutter coached there for a long time, you know. Yeah, man, it's got a huge hockey, and it's a historic Canadian town. If you look at because it's it's right, it was there because it was on the railway like years ago. Like it found itself. There's a lot of those towns, obviously, in Canada. Fuck, but they're my favorite kind to like get a story. It, it, I don't know. I, I do the same here. Once in a while, I'll I'll drive to like. Well, you were in Cornerbrook, which is fairly big for Newfoundland standards. I mean, you know, thirty or forty thousand. It's it's beyond a little town. But along the way, I don't know, Arnold's Cove, Joe Betts Arm, Fogo. There's places you can go that are way off the beaten path that remind me. You know, it's similar. Fish and rod for the hay baler, whatever it is. You know, it's very similar people. That's right. Um, so, I, and so that happens. We go, we went all the way to the final. We picked some guys. We, you know, we, we were in Bentley. So I guess for those that don't know, we drew from Edmonton and Calgary. We, we had a great... We great senior hockey team, but there was other there was a couple other great teams in our area. We beat Stony Plain in seven games, I believe, and then we went up to play in Fort St. John. Do you remember what the fort what the format was when we went to Fort St. John? It was a three out of five for those that are, are uh, keeping score. Yeah, it was five fucking games in five nights, all in Fort St. John. That was the setup. Okay. Do you remember the place being packed, and do you remember them putting? Beers along the outside of the glass, and they, so the players would try to hit and knock knock the knock the empties over. Yeah. And they let us know in warm up that we're just gonna because Wolfie and I led the league by quite a lot in scoring. I remember that. I think it was called the Chinook Hockey League, twenty four game schedule maybe. And so they knew, they knew that we we had a great team. There was lots of other great players, but me and Wolfie were definitely our one two power play. You know, we're getting the tap. Um, like I said, we led the league in scoring. So I remember them coming in warm-up. Not that we were ever fucking intimidated either, but I was looking around, and they they let us know, we're coming to hit you. We're going to keep fucking hitting you. We're going to keep fucking hitting you. We're going to keep hitting you. And they were, like, trying to put a snarl on it. We didn't have a team that was pushed over. We had tough guys. But I just remember that feeling. I remember looking at you going, like, 
we're going to have to really bring our lunch pails here. Like this isn't like going to Fort Saskatchewan with the Olympic size rink. You might get hit twice by, by, by a big guy, but you know, it's kind of a walk in the park. This was hard. It's as hard hockey as I've ever played. I remember both of us getting injured. I had like a rib kind of cartilage thing. What do you, do you remember what happened behind the net when we got thrown out? Uh, I can't remember. You fought one of those guys, Wolfie. They came. <coughs> you, you really, oh, yeah. if you if you snapped, you snapped. So we went behind yeah. there, and I believe it was the end. It was like they were close. It was like three to three. Like they, their plan was working, right? We we couldn't get free. It was a smaller rink. They were right on top of us. I think we might have been up one game to nothing at the time, but this wasn't a gimme. It seemed like a long way, and you just looked at me and said, "Fuck it!" Like at some point, we got to do this, and we and we dropped our gloves. Uh, there were three brothers on the team. I can't remember their names. I think we fought two of them. But anyway, yeah. it was kind of a kind of a turning point. We went in the we went in the dressing room, and Donnie Morrison scored a D that we just picked up from the A the year before. You remember Donnie? Yeah, Donnie was awesome. Yeah, yeah, he scored. I think an OT, and then we went on to win the third one. But that and that that was it. Certainly wasn't easy. It was it was real hockey. We overcame it, and we went to the Allen Cup and. Uh, it was a fairly good performance. Do you remember much about that? I do, yeah. You know, go back to the McKenzie Cup in Fort St. John's, what you're talking about there. I, I remember sitting on the bench and, and, you know, me, you, and Rube, Sean Robertson, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's it, man. It's either we take the game over here, you know, whatever we got to do, or we're not you going to You saying those words specifically. I do. You're, you're like, we're in it now. Like, you looked at me and you're like, we're in it. We're in it. The place was wolfy. Fucking vibrating. It was vibrating. You couldn't hear yourself think. And they were close and it was working. I was like, fuck. You know, if I anyway, I can't say I was I mean, I know I know I'm competitive. I'm a player. I just mean I was I wasn't expecting such a vicious kind of series. And you just looked at me and you said to us, like, we gotta sack up, boys. Like, you know, and you're a scorer, you're fucking by no means um a pushover, but we didn't need you to be fighting. But you were like, at some point we gotta do this, or they're gonna keep running us and it's gonna Let's just leave it in their hands. And we fucking went out and t- tapped a couple guys up. Well, they got some good ones in, but I remember falling on my guy in the net. I'm like, at least fucking technically I won this fight. Fuck you, spitting. Fuck you, you know, getting thrown fucking batteries and beer cans thrown at us on the way off. But then we, we were won. Awesome. They were down two to nothing. Remember that shit? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. It was awesome, man. What a it, bus it, it, ride it, home, though. Whoa, geez. It was a long bus ride up and a, a fun bus ride home. That's for sure. Um, Next, you come to... to- What's yeah, that? Going to the going to the Allen Cup after that, you know what I mean? Again, it was set up. You know, it's it's tough for senior hockey players. Most of us guys were working and stuff at the same time. You know what I mean? We only practiced once or twice a week, so we played that in three games and three nights, which was good that we didn't have to play five games in the McKenzie Cup. But then we went to the Allen Cup there, and it's set up as well like that is is five games and five nights. You know what I mean? So it's um, it's it's, it's, it's still it's still the same. Um, you know, yeah. the Allen Cup back then for the five games and five nights was 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 was, was tough on our legs. You know, we had a lot of older guys. Uh, I remember playing Brampton in the finals and Brampton having a lot of old pros too. You know what I mean? A lot of guys. They had a lot. Them. They were real similar. Brantford is where it was. Brantford, yeah, that's right. It was held in Brantford and meeting meeting Mr. Gretzky and having you know, you know, being able to have a conversation with Mr. Gretzky was 
was uh, was one of the highlights of my career because I had not met that man before that, and, and just he he knew everybody in the game, and it was just such a, such a special soul, right? So, I'll tell you what's a weird stat: you and I have both lost major championships in two games, and he dropped the puck. He dropped the puck in London when we lost oh, the world true. championship, and then we go to the Allen Cup just a few years later, and it's in Brantford. For those that don't know, that's where he's from. That's where Wayne Gretzky's famous backyard is that he learned to play hockey, and Brent Gretzky was playing on the team, Brantford Blast, that we played against. So they had his father, uh, Walter, come out and drop the puck, and I looked at Wolfie, and I said, well, we're due now, right? He's not going to drop the puck twice, and, but that was at the end of a long road, Wolfie. I remember us, but I don't remember what you had, but I had a major in, like, it, it really hurt. Like, I had to take, like, two months away from everything at the end of that. It was when I breathed. It was in my rib cage, and it kind of wrapped up around my shoulder, and it just inched up. But like yeah. you said, it is. It was hard. Like, you know, the year is the year, the hockey season. You're playing games on the weekends, 24 games when, like, in pro, you would have a lot more games played by that point. But, you know, you said people got jobs and everything. But then all of a sudden, when you start the playoffs, it was a lot. I remember it was like Fort St. John, Stony Plain, which was went seven games in like 10 days. And yeah. then fucking up there for the possible five and five. They were three, but they were real hard. And then we went, like, I remember remember Jim Vandermeer taking needles before the game. Donnie, like I mentioned, not overly tough. Like, he's not going to be intimidated. But I remember him wrapping up his shoulder. Kevin Smith played real hurt. I, yeah. I remember Ryan Smith's brother there, those that don't know, lost his eye and playing pro, kept playing. Fucking tough son of a gun, real good player, real big, run you over, and, and had the talent to go with it. But he was hurt too. Right? I, I think, look, I look back and I go, on all that, we went up there. We had no idea in September where we were going to be playing, and we ended up second in Canada. It was pretty good. Yeah, it was It was a fantastic experience, right? And we, and we didn't really even have a coach that year, remember? Yeah. Sutter was in there the year before. I, I think if we had Sutsi on our, you know, on our bench, I, I think it would probably would have been a no-brainer for a win. You know, probably. I, I think I, you know, I think Bentley, you know, ended up moving to Lacombe after that and winning the Allen Cup a couple times. And I, yeah. you know, it's great to be a part of that. That we're getting them over that hump to the next level, to the next level, to the next level, and be a part of that, right? So, you know, be a part of that uh, glorified history that they had there in that senior hockey was was was, was great to be a part of, right? So I look at uh, you know each place. I guess I, so. I've I've played on your team on your line, and. Uh, Bentley and Cornerbrook, and then we had that experience in London. And one thing I can say about each group, because you can do, I mean, I played a long time too, man, is, you know, not every, like, each group I just mentioned, it was a real unit. Like, those guys with the roller hockey, I mean, I still talk to half that team. You know, that I mean, I didn't even know anybody coming in that was just a week out of my life, not a year, right? And then these other teams we played on, I just, they're, they're kind of defined by, just a real good bunch of guys. You know, we like to go out there. It was the last of the old school. Like, after the game, it was kind of given that we were going to go for a beer together. You know, like yeah. we've always done. You know, and, and then yeah. we're going to go out and, and train together and, and try to, well, I mean, train in, in that play together. Uh, anyway, I have fond memories of all of it. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that's even stronger. Bet 5 bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet 5 on the NFL. 
That's promo code THPN, as in the Hockey Podcast Network, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours with promo code THPN and DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY, which is 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, LA. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Now, I know I've kept you. I said it was only going to be an hour. It's a little bit more than that. I have a last section uh, or last little segment uh, called Rapid Fire Randoms, uh, just kind of lighthearted layups. Uh, would you mind sticking around for some Rapid Fire Randoms? Bring it. Okay, here we go. Mark Wolf, Rapid Fire Randoms. If you had a superpower, what would that superpower be? That What would you want, not would it be? Uh, I would like to fly. You would like the ability to fly. Have you ever, by the way, thought about being a pilot? Uh, you know what? A bunch of years back, my uh, my girl got me some helicopter license um, lessons, and I took a couple of them. And it was more of uh, more of the um, classroom stuff, and I I didn't get around to actually getting in the air. So I I might uh, revisit that come here later in life. Here. Interesting. I remember you telling me something about that. That's why I asked. Uh, you're on death row. You can have one more meal. What would that meal be? Uh, I'm a huge sausage and pierogies kind of guy. So, Sausage and pierogies. Pierogies are Ukrainian, right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, that's a, that's a thing. Now, of course, you can get them frozen. Everybody knows what they are. I mean, you can do whatever you want. I mean, over here. Newfoundland, I hadn't heard of a pierogi until I moved out west. And then I went to some places. I remember I went to stay with a buddy in Vegreville. A couple of my teammates are from there, from junior. Damon Lankow went on to play in the show. And Zenith Komarniski, who, who, who played a little bit in the NHL. But they were from Vegreville. And that whole section, you you, you know, in Sheldon Surrey's from Fishing Lake. If you go beyond that, St. Saint Paul, there's places that I just had no idea. And they're, they're this delicacy. And I love them, but I'd never heard of them ever. And they, they didn't come here for like 10 years after that. And now, now they're kind of everywhere. Here. Now they're everywhere. Huh? We were once in a gas station. I don't know if you remember. You must. And the prime minister walked in. Stephen Harper. <laughs> yeah. If you could get caught in a gas station right now with only a rock star or an athlete, who would you want it to be? Oh, rock star and athlete. I think my rock star would be... Um, I guess music I, I, maker wouldn't have to be rock. Yeah, I, I just I, I think the Rolling Stones would be would that would be awesome. Uh, that would be <laughs> awesome. Yeah, they see Mick Jagger in there. Um, they just came out with a new single called "Angry." Check it out after this. I can't believe it. Sounds like okay. fifty years ago. Yeah, I, I can't believe they keep going out. He's got to be what eighty years old. That's insane 80. to me. Just, and just had yeah. a single, and it's like I don't know where it is. I don't know how charts work anymore. But it's like getting a lot of airplay, and people love it. 
critics are loving it. The album is Hackney Diamonds, and they're 80, not, not 60, <laughs> 80, not even 60. 70, 80. Yeah. That's insane, man. They play that's fucking that. insane, Wolfie. What? Yeah. Like, what? 80. <laughs> and they're out being the Stones. Being Not. the Stones. Like, fuck. Yeah. Anyway, that's a good, it's a great, any of the Rolling Stones, that would be great to get caught in the gas station. And uh, let's say athlete for shits and giggles. And I'm assuming, because what I, what I remember about that is I regret not saying anything. I don't know if you did. I didn't. So I'm like, if I ever get caught in a fucking gas station with someone again, I'm going to ask them a question. Just, you know, not even to get political. I just like to, the prime minister is right fucking in front of me. And I didn't say anything. <laughs> That's yeah, why yeah, I say I, that. Yeah, I remember us going down there. It was 1130 at night. We went down to get some supplies. And and yeah. um, <laughs> and uh, um, I remember walking in the store and this really large uh, woman came up to me and she's like, you know, he'll be gone in a minute. Just, you know, just hang out here and everything will be yeah, good. Yeah, we were kind of like, what the hell is she talking about? And yeah. then you look around the store, and there's about 10 or 12 other large gentlemen in there. And I'm yeah, like, and then exactly in the back what the I store. remember. And uh, Mr. Harper was in the back with his with his daughter getting her a Slurpee. You know, it was I think it was Christmas Eve or a couple of days before Christmas, maybe the 24th or 23rd. Or You're something exactly like right. It was right around there. Yeah. Yeah, I remember us taking us the Mini Cooper convertible up there, and we had the we had the roof down on it, and it had tukes on going up there. We must the fucking Mini Cooper convertible. I loved it though. That was a great, great rig. Do you still have that rig? Um, uh, someone does. I don't have it. Yeah. I see. Someone does. Yeah. Well, I fucking <laughs> loved it. Um, wheeling around in that. That was a nice little car. That was a nice area, of Calgary. What was it again? The north, north part. Yeah, the, the northwest, Tuscany, Blue Ridge. Tuscany, Blue Ridge, Tuscany, State yeah. Area. Yeah, uh, I've been back cool. a lot since. I hadn't, I hadn't been to, to that part of Calgary at the point at that time. Okay, you're a DJ. You got to be a DJ. This is it. You, you, your oil drilling fell through. Your hockey contacts are gone in this hypothetical world. You have to be a DJ, but you're a good one. You're going to make good money. You're excited. But the group that's hiring you says, no, you're not going to be Mark Wolf. You got to be one of these DJ names. What do you want to be? DJ Bubba Gump. M Daddy Bling, Wolf Master Flash, or Bow Wow Wolf? <laughs> I love the Bow Wow Wolf. That's my favorite. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, you know what? When I, 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 I thought of that question, I wasn't making a link, but we used to play, I don't know if you remember, you must, you must, when you would have a big game, because uh, I would be doing the tunes and I would play Clap for the Wolf Man in, in, my, in, the, in the dressing room. You remember I would play that a lot? surrounding yep. you, whatever it was, you scored, you fought, or whatever you did. So I don't know if you know who the Wolfman is. You probably should. So the Wolfman was a disc jockey. He called himself Wolfman Jack, and he was on the radio, and he, he, he was trying to imitate. The, a lot of people, the, the, the first time the word rock and roll was coined, it was Alan Freed, and Alan Freed had a show, the Moondog Show. So if you ever hear the opening to, Drew Carey, it was in Cleveland, to that show, there's a song called Cleveland Rocks by the President of the United States of America. Well, that's originally way back, I think it's Ian Hunter, it's way back in the 70s. But in the remake, they do and they go, hey, hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Moondog Show! And, and it's that's Alan Freed doing the... So, and then Wolfman Jack, his favorite blues guy was uh, Howlin' Wolf. So he kind of combined both. And then he ended up being this huge DJ that would really influence the music industry. That's why the, the, the words go, clap for the Wolfman. He's going to make your record hot. Clap for the Wolfman. Um, 
he's gonna bring it till it always. In other words, he he influences your. He's gonna make your record high. That's it. He's gonna make your record high because he had the influence. And if you got to know the Wolfman and had beers with him and everything, and you had a good tune, he also had good taste. But lots of yeah. songs with good taste don't get on the radio. But it was like. You got to get to know the Wolfman, and you're going to be a lot more popular. Anyway, <laughs> he had that's where that comes from. He had the rubber bands <laughs> in the beard, didn't he? Yes. Well, he was one of the first to do that persona, yes. He, yeah. he used to do, like, he'd make himself look like a wolf, and then he did do the rubber bands on both sides. You've got a great fucking memory, I tell you that, because I probably told you that drunk somewhere in the monkey top or over the years. By the way, that little bar right down there by the Harper gas station, that wasn't bad either. Yeah. Hardest punch you ever take, you ever took? Who? Uh, it was Mark Cipriano. Cipriano was, uh, he was a rookie, rookie with uh, Regina Pats. He was coming out of North Shore. He's buddies with Sasha Lakovic and those guys that came out of there. Oh. That same kind of Rob Sangster. So on Sanger. the ice and off the ice. Uh, uh, on the ice, it was Sip. Sip was a Golden Gloves boxer from bc off the ice would have been my brother probably <laughs> oh no i was saying the guy you fought if you hung out with sasha lakovic was tough on the ice and off the ice oh sasha, sasha was crazy man says like not crazy but i mean he had a rep off the ice as being a fucking guy who throw first, down with anybody i first met him man i first met him in uh, columbus right he was yeah he came to us in columbus with tara Skowski, and uh, roscoe said Wolfie, he's the, he's your rookie. You got to look after him. And I was like, okay, sweet. You know, and Sash was ripped to shreds, man, bald yeah. head, shaved his head back then. And it was the very first time when he got his nickname, the Pitbull, um, he fought somebody mixed. Chris McSorley's team, Toledo, was in town, and they are fairly tough, too. You know, yeah, Thompson, they always had a tough Thompson team. was playing on that team, too. And Poto, I played with Poto a couple of different places. He's, uh, he's the toughest guy I ever played the game with, by the way. But – um, a lot of people tell me the same shit, man. Yeah. yeah, Sasha was Sasha ended up beating the piss out of somebody, man, and he got on all fours in front of their bench and started barking at him like a fucking dog. And I just looked back at Roscoe and said, "Thanks, man, appreciate that." So, you know, yeah, so you I've know, heard. And, and know those guys years later, like when Sasha played in Bakersfield, you know, when we were in uh, in that West yeah, I remember Coast, that. and being that good of friends with Sasha, you know, he was big and strong, and you know, he. Ended up, he had crazy stories, man. He ended up going over to Qatar and, and teaching that king over there um, martial arts, you know, because he was into martial arts from a, from a young age. And then they ended up flying guys over in commercial airplanes. And that king built a um, built an arena in the middle of the desert so that the king could have a Saturday night hockey game. And then they'd be, everybody be buddies, but it would be kind of like a show. Man. And it went on for quite wow. a while. I remember Sasha asked me if I wanted to come over and I was, I was working in the patch drilling at that point, And I was like, no, I can't come Sash. I'm sorry, but I, that sounds like an amazing time for sure. But Incredible but, where you find yourself, right? Yeah. Incredible. The ride that, that pro hockey can take you on. But I, I just remember, look, there's guys, Wolfie, I did it. I went, as soon as I put on the gear, I go out there and sometimes I'd even, you know, fuck it. Let's get in a fight tonight. But, there are people that love it, and that I found them like they're, those are, are like dangerous guys. You really got to be on. I didn't mind fighting them at all, but I'm like, this is a different element. This guy loves fighting, like he loves it. He loves yeah. fighting. Like I want to go out there and score a goal. So be fucking ready and be respectful. And in the box, I would always be respectful. Talk to those guys. In other words, I don't want you fucking 
Come and I don't want you taking my number. It's all good. And I, we'll go out there and fight again if you want. But I usually had those guys on my good side. Yeah. But he was. He was one of those that, okay, you don't want this firecracker going off anywhere too crazy around me. Um, you, had a time, you have a time machine. You can go anywhere. For, for, you can go into the future. You can go back in time wherever you want. You know, I don't know. You're Wild West. Maybe you want to see the dinosaurs. Maybe you want to... Uh, Head and and check out the Renaissance in the 1600s. You can go anywhere. Well, I think I, I would like to go back to you know my grandfather was a cowboy. Uh, you know he played poker with Doyle Brunson. Um, he worked ranches. His mom passed on at uh, 14, and he worked ranches from Calgary all the way down into Montana. I'd like to go back into that era where where you know when when life was really really as hard as they could get. That's when they made real men. And, you know, we all try to live up to those who came before, you know, before us in the past yeah, being yeah. grandfathers. Right. So uh, my grandfather, not a lot of people know this about us, but um, my, I've been my great uncle back then is, was George the Iceman Wolf. And they used to wrangle horses together down in Montana. For those that don't know George the Iceman Wolf, he rode Seabiscuit in the greatest race of all time, the horse race of all time. He was a jockey, mm. right? And he's a legend down in, Mexico. I remember and, Ropey, I, I recognize that name. I wasn't sure. Now I'm very familiar. I know exactly. I read the book and watched the movie. That's yeah, wild. Yeah. So it's uh, it's I just just to be back in that era and 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 watch that whole process of you know of uh, Great Depression and 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 what those folks. My grandfather was born in 1919 and he died at 92. Old, yeah, lived a long life at 92 and um, served in World War II and. Um, did a lot of great things and that's that's when men and women they, they worked their tails off in this world so hey uh it's a great fucking answer to be honest it's a great answer <clears throat> that'd be a interesting trip and uh incorporate the family and i think it'd just be an interesting time just just to to witness you know that was a lot of hardship a lot of people had to face and we came out of it and you're right like you had to work hard like my ancestors during that time i'm just automatically proud of them to get through it you know we're here we're here whatever whatever the hell you did like i'm here and thank you very fucking much because that wasn't an easy time um what goes on a perfect pizza uh, i'm pretty simple i'm double pepperoni extra sauce mushroom have you ever been in a bench brawl i've been in a couple yeah. uh, were you in the one in, i was in the one in san diego Steve Martinson was coming out at the start of the third period. We were playing Phoenix. Phoenix was in the league when I first got there, and big bad yeah. John Baduke. He'd been John Baduke. He'd been making fun of uh, Marty back and forth, and then Marty came out, and Johnny was standing by the bench, and she was a full-on brawl. And boy, it was nuts, man. And then it, it continued on. They couldn't get the door closed quick enough to the rink when we come out at the start of the third. And uh, I remember that night I had tucked five after second after the second and my brother was there and some buddies of mine were down and my brother ended up m missing the whole fight at the start of third period because he ate too much mexican food and he was somewhere else so but yeah <laughs> oh fuck yeah. fucking deadly yeah it, but it was uh it was a free-for-all out there and then there was a couple in junior when i first started that were uh you know it it ended up i think a couple of them were because you remember when Everybody came out and warmed up by themselves. Yeah. My, my whole career in the dub, we weren't allowed to do it because guys like you had too many fucking brawls before the game. It was nuts, man, back in the day. Crazy. Yeah, nuts. Um, 
but really interesting today to tell stories about. <laughs> Just crazy that all of that happened. Um, of all your teammates, okay, you're going to a trip to Neptune, the gaseous planet, and they're looking for samples. You, you, you're a scientist now. Your DJ career was good, but it's brief, and now you're a scientist. We have to go all the way to Neptune and back. It's going to take you about seven months, um, three, three and a half months each, each direction now. Who do you take to be your personal chef? Got to be a teammate that you played with. Oh, wow. That's a tough one. Not a lot of guys were that good at cooks, really. <laughs> they weren't too bad. But one guy, Angelo Catanero, he was my captain in Scotland. He actually taught me how to uh, make Italian sauce right from scratch, uh, the passata, the old mafia way, man. And it was uh, – I still make it to this day that way. Make it with uh, fresh passata and then add my uh, your okay. garlic into it. Yep, and then you kind of build it in processes. Yep. So. Well, there's your answer. How many NFL games have you been to? I've been to three, all in San Diego. Oh yeah, of course. Um, you got to pick. You're going to be one of these superheroes. Which one would you pick? The Flash, Batman, Spider-Man, or Aquaman? Batman. Batman. You like the mystique? You like the dark, My dark hero, the, the conflicted mind, soul who lays it all down for others, the dark knight. That's it. Um, I, would, I was going to add Sp Superman, but he can do everything. I, I never saw the point of Superman. I really like Superman. I love Superman. But then when I grew out of my teens, I guess, my real childhood, and I thought about it, I'm like, it's just too easy to pick Superman. Right? It's just too easy. The guy can do what everybody else can do. Flash can run fast. Superman can run as fast as he can, and he can fly around and beat up gods and stuff. I mean, I don't know. But anyway, I'm going on. Um, have you done either of these things, and would you? Skydive, bungee jump, uh, skywalk at the uh, CN Tower. Skywalk, uh, I do that one. Heights scare the shit out of me. Uh, they scare the shit out of me. I wouldn't do either. Yeah, my, my, you know, my stepson Tanner just went, uh, he went skydiving for the first time and I watched the video of it and the pure fear when they first jumped out of that airplane. Again, my comment, I don't to want him to visit was, it. Yeah, my comment to him was when he was on the ground was, uh, so you jumped out of a pretty damn good airplane and he just jumped out of it, but jumped out of it. Wolfie, yeah. I, I went up. Uh, it's hard enough for me to go up in the CN Tower, man. It's hard enough. But, you know, again, I close my eyes in the elevator. There's usually, if I'm in Toronto with someone new that hasn't experienced it, okay, let's go up and, you know, dig deep. Get up there, and there's this glass floor. I don't know how people, I don't know how people walk on it. It freaks me out. And then they go outside, and they strap themselves in. I don't know. You got to see this, man. Like, you can see it from the Jays game. And they, like, hang off the side of the CN Tower and look down. I'm going... Like, honestly, it's I, I couldn't do it if you gave me a billion dollars. I would just pass out. I would die. I would try to do it, of course. I mean, you're giving me this money. I can't. It's the peak. The, the only scarier thing for me is being buried alive. And I don't know. Both are at the ends of a real bad spectrum that I never really want to visit. So my answer is I'm not doing any of the above. Not that you asked. Me neither. Okay. <laughs> Last question. I had a quick one. Um, 
Okay, if you want to do that, I'll be done. Penny, Penny Lane has uh, tryouts for the provincial team. And can you can get a ride home with her, right? Because I'm going to come watch, but I'm going to leave my car down there. Because Daddy doesn't drink and drive, Wolfman. Daddy doesn't drink and drive. Daddy drives to the soccer field, watches, and the soccer field is located very, very close to downtown where Dad goes and meets his friend after soccer. Nice. Friends. Friends. You know the way it goes. Friday night, yeah. it's uh, uh, biting a few beers down on uh, George Street. Um, your last question. All-time team in this hypothetical world, say I'm, I'm on one side, you're on the other. You've got it. There's a million dollars in the middle. And whoever wins this game gets to take the money. So you get to pick five players and a goalie from all-time. And they're all hypothetically in their primes. You're going to make one mega team, one mega line. Now, you can't use any Montreal Canadiens, and you can't use anybody named Lemieux, Howe, or, or Gretzky. Okay. Just because that's too too easy to go there. Yeah. So, you know, you can go from there. Three forwards. doesn't have to be a center. Crosby yeah, can play wing or, or, or Eiserman or whoever you went with, and then 2D and a goalie. Yeah, I think it's, uh, Stevie Y was he was an awesome player. Uh, I think uh, having him up the middle is a no-brainer. If I can't pick any of the others, uh, I would put Sidney Crosby on his off wing, mm. and I would put Cam Neely on the other side. Oh, what a team! Yeah, and, so far. Uh, D men, uh, I loved your podcast the other day. Uh, your last episode, or maybe it was a couple ago, uh, Ally Afraidy. I just was in love with that man when he played the game. He shoot the puck hard, hit like a Mack truck man. I just, I, yeah. I just love that story about about him. So he would be the one, and obviously Bobby Orr uh, on the other side. It's, it's no Orr. You can't pick Orr. Can't pick Bobby. Not Orr Gretzky. Let me or how Bobby like he's hanging out here with me, Mister Orr. Um, Hey, I will he does give you. You are you're always a very polite, mannerly guy. I always notice that. And that's good leadership too. I mean, it rubbed off on me. But uh well, who are we talking about? I, I, I feel like calling him Mr. Orr too. He's one of those people. Like Jean Beliveau, I could never call Jean. Ever. Yeah. And he would be like, I can't not that I knew him that well, but these guys are around the rink. I'm like, I I'm sorry, I just can't I can't bring myself to do that. Yeah. They, you, <laughs> you know, know there's certain people. <laughs> The first time I, sorry to get off topic, but the first time I met Mr. Orman was obviously at, at Boston Bruin camp and he invites oh, yeah. everybody out to his house and uh, he actually has this, everybody's kind of mingling around and they kind of bring all the draft picks, me and Andy Bezo that year, a couple other guys, um, bring you over one at a time and kind of have a conversation with you. Hey, you're near your Bruin now and blah, 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 and kind of give you the spiel. And he was sitting there and um, he had shorts on and just the amount of scars that I've seen on his knees, how many times they tried to fix him and, and his intestinal fortitude to just continue to kind of want to, and the love of the game really give you a spark to just kind of give you chills up the back of your neck because, you know, you get a little few injuries in junior, you know, get some teeth knocked out. But, you know, when, when, when you see what that man went through, is uh, it's pretty impressive, right, And for how long he played and, 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 and how well he did in the game from uh, – from all the scars on his knees. You just gave me goosebumps. You're allowed to use them. Now give me a goalie. Fuck it. I'm going to let you use Bobby Orr because you were drafted by the Bruins. There you go. I'll fucking yeah. let you use them. Now, 
Who's going to be the goalie? Uh, my goalie, I'll uh, I'll split. I'll go with Chris Osgood. Ozzy's a buddy of mine. Yeah, he for, is. Yeah, you know he doesn't quite get the clout that I, I think he should get. Uh, he won three Stanley Cups. That's not one. That's not two. That's three, and that's a lot. Yeah. That's a league, lot. You know, and uh, they had great teams and great defense, but it always starts with your goaltending. And uh, you know, Kenny Holland had drafted him and followed him and. Uh, we actually played, we used to play ball hockey. You talk about ball hockey and you're a fantastic yeah. career. At it. And Thank you. I followed you guys follow you and biz and all those guys in, in the chicklet cup and stuff. I just get a laugh watching you cats. Man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but me and Kenny and, 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 and Ozzy, that's how we used to stay in shape in the summertime. Kenny, really? I think was, yeah. He was the Western scout back then. And, and, uh, and we were the red wings. He was for, Western scope for the Wed Rings back then. And so we, we used to play in the summertime all the time. So I you, guys ever my... need, you ever need a ringer? I'm, I'm available. I know I'm 53, but I can still move and shake. And that I guarantee looks- you could be fucking 73. If you get open in your shot, I'm telling you it's, and it's wild because you and Colburn. So like, again, for those listening and, and, and paying attention, because I know sometimes I go out of order. I, that's why I try to do these in order, like chronological order, because people, just listening out of nowhere, don't often know like what I'm t- so like Darren Colburn. I've been on this show, and like I said, I just explained he played with Wolfie, and I played with Wolfie until Cornerbrook. The last year any of us played together, we'd never really played on one line together. But I find you very similar in that you know I am a disher more than anything. I mean, I can score. I think I have a nose for the net. It would be accuracy and kind of where to go more than anything. You guys both have a like. You're like almost the same shot from from the other side. It's just that he shoots left and you shoot right. But I mean, yeah. it's very. I can see how playing together and you're both like creative. So like I, I can see how in roller hockey with the floodgates would have been opened. But for me, I mean, I've had a lot of line mates, and I don't know, man. I'm trying to think. Even in pro, I don't think I've had anybody that can shoot the puck like you and him. And it's funny that you already knew each other. You know what I mean? It, it was fun in roller hockey because, I mean, the goalies had to shuffle to get across. You know, you couldn't push from one leg to get across the other and slide, you know, until they figured out that you could put some plastic on the inside of the pad and then goaltending yeah. got a little bit better. But it would, I, I would fake it and zip it over to him or he would zip it right back to me. And just we just we had a lot of fun just one time in pucks at the top of that. Uh, it was just one time and, and it was four on four, you know, um, with, with, with no offsides or anything. I, I don't think a lot of people realize how it worked. So, like, if you're a scorer, man, and you just go to get that open space, and it's like you guys, like I said, in ice hockey, you can do it five on five in the zone, open it way up, and it was just like, and exactly, the goalie would come over, and then one of you would tap it back to the other. And, I mean, it it, it was as impressive watching you guys play with each other, um, play hockey with each other, um, (laughs) as it was the individual shots. But anyway, it was an honor. That was my, you know, in both years, I think the last year you guys played, I got to play with you, and you were both, mentors of mine at the very least and and real real good friends wolfie honestly you're one of my best friends in the world we got to do this more it was great to see you this summer but let's not go another lengthy time like that without without hanging out absolutely man i miss you immensely that's for sure like you said we've been we've been really tight for a long time and life gets busy you know life takes us and drags us in uh, certain directions you got your you know your daughter penny lane and you've been real focused on that in your career man and we couldn't be more happier for all those cats that know you, man, for your success that you've had. Um, love the Shorty Show, man. I just, 
I, I, I get so a chuckle out of it, man. I just get a chuckle. And there's so many people following, like a lot of the guys that I work with out here. And I work on a national project, pipeline yeah. project. I'm not going to say the name of it, but I'm pretty sure people can figure it out. But yeah. a lot of the people from SMJV, Rob Frost, and some guys in the office, and my bosses, um, uh, you know, Jeremy Gerlach and Joe McCullough, and my brother, Kurt, um, you know, you got a huge following out here. And it's something that we, as we're working hard every day doing our jobs, it's something that uh, I'm hearing more and more of. Hey, did you watch this on episode three? Oh, I love that. <laughs> I love the gyms. And it, it's becoming hey. a cult following, man. And I just love it. I'm, I'm so happy for you guys' success in that, man. Thanks. I appreciate it. I really appreciate it, Wolfie. And uh, I'm equally, I mean, we talked. I mean, we can, go, we can go on and on, but I'm equally as happy for you. You found yourself in a great spot. You're real good at what you do. You make some great money, and you met a great person uh, to spend time with. Uh, so... I just don't want to get too personal. You know what I mean? Um, I love you. You're one of my favorites. And uh, hopefully we can talk again soon in person and uh, share a beer and a story. Absolutely, buddy. I love you too. Thank you, my friend. Folks, if you're downtown St. John's, Newfoundland, you want to go out for a beer, go. Why not go to the Bull and Barrel? Why not check out the Martini Bar? Why not check out Rob Roy Confusion, TJ's Pub, Greensleeves Pub, or Trinity? And if you're going to go for a bite to eat, why not do that at Merchant Tavern, Blue on Water, or Wedgwood Cafe at the end of Elizabeth Avenue. Wedgwood Cafe also available for catering. Contact Peter Wedgwood at Wedgwood Cafe. Ryan Power, power conditioning. You want strength, balance for the body and mind? Look no further. It's on Rope Walk Lane, power conditioning. Strength and balance for the body and mind. If you want to go to Mr. Lube, there's two locations right here in St. John's. Torbay Road and Camout Road. Live, laugh, lube. Folks, if you want the pain relief pain sticks that just don't quit go to pitbullpainrelief.com and see what all the fuss is about and finally true hockey take what's yours thanks to, thanks to Corey gregory and everybody else at true hockey for a fantastic chicklets cup and the free swag gloves and sticks i'll be back next week with more tales with tr thanks to mark wolf thanks you all for listening and have a great fucking weekend <laughs>